Well, that was a great time already, right? Amen. All that that everybody said and did and was awesome. Hey, you ever heard this joke before? I don't usually tell jokes, but um, this is actually not. This is a good joke, I think. There was this guy. Uh, his mama on a Sunday morning came to him and said, uh, "Son, you need to get ready to go to church now." And he said, "Mama, I don't want to go to church." And she said, why? Well, I just don't want to go. But, son, you have to. Why do I have to, Mom? I really don't want to go. Ever felt that way? Anybody? Yeah. Well, you have to go, son. Well, why, Mama, do I have to go to church? Because you're the pastor. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. Because when I was sitting there, I was thinking, I don't want to (laughs) preach. Why do I got to preach, Lord, after all that? I think I've told you this a hundred times. It's great to preach after something like this happens because, you know, you can kind of step into some flow. Uh, but it's always like, I can't, I don't know if I can step into that flow. It's so high. Or then there's other times when you preach when it's like misery. You ever been in a meeting that it was miserable and you were like, oh, God, help the person that's going to speak now because we're so far in a hole I don't know if he can dig us out or not. <laughs> but we're not in a hole, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So y'all come Friday night, and then the following Friday on the 8th to watch the film. Me and Maya watched some of it uh, the other day, and it was really like, woo, this is, this is good. So I think it'll be great, and I know Friday night will be great, right, Seth? No pressure, but, you know. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit's here, it's going to be good. Yeah, he makes the difference. So, yeah, man, this is a crazy church. I broke my tooth this morning worshiping the Lord. Isn't that crazy? You ever broke your tooth and you, it don't hurt, but you can you put your tongue on it? Anybody do that? I'm like, ah, that's driving me crazy. Can't keep my tongue off my broke tooth. <laughs> well, that's probably too much information, right? <laughs> Who cares if I broke a tooth? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, we just ask you to speak to us this morning. Uh, You've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing that's in the heavenly places is in Christ, and you have let us have some of that this morning, and we thank you for that, but I think there's some more coming. You know, there's that uh, verse in in, uh, Psalm 23, I was thinking about it this morning, I think we were singing part of that, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thinking about that, I was thinking, wow, we're getting some stuff fed to us this morning, right? That during the worship, we're getting a dose of the blood. We're getting a dose of the body. We're eating that in the presence of our enemies. And that's why I kept saying while I was worshiping her, take that devil. Because <laughs> we can eat and we don't have to focus on the devil. We can focus on what the Lord. And this morning, uh, we also uh, saw that the Lord wanted to, to heal people. Pass the healing, Lord. You hear me? This is family-style eating. Y'all ever been to a family-style restaurant? Well, that's preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. We sit down at the table. Lord, I need a dose of healing over here. Pass me that bowl of healing. And we're just going to eat some healing. Amen. And I just put that picture in your mind. Whatever you need in life, there's a table for you. And no matter what the devil's doing, you don't really have to worry about him. You just sit down and enjoy the meal with the Lord. And I promise you, when you begin to see that and believe that, you can, you can indulge in this table. You can eat from the table of the Lord anywhere you're at in life. And just, just start believing it. Just 
Just start, start trusting that the word of the Lord is true. Another thing that I think is I'm just wasting all my time talking about this. Gosh, i got to hurry up. But the other thing I was thinking about recently, I've always wondered about church, okay, about why we do what we do. I don't know why. That has just been a thought in my mind. Why do we... I get the worship part, you know, and all that, but the preaching has always been like a thing to me. But I've realized in my life when when the Holy Spirit is speaking through somebody, no matter who they are and no matter what they're saying, if it's the Holy Spirit speaking through them, there is a spiritual impact that happens. Okay, whether we perceive it in our minds, but there's something that happens in the Spirit. Are y'all with me on this? There's a transfer that happens. That's why God, that the Bible uses this term, the foolishness of preaching. That's what it said. And it says that people can't even be saved without preaching. So if we would dial into the Holy Spirit and let Him speak to us, we don't have to get, don't try to use, don't use your brain, use your heart. Use your heart. I'm not talking about your natural, I'm talking about your spiritual, your inner man, and let the Holy Spirit do something to you, not only in worship, not only in prayers, uh, but in the word of the Lord, the word of God is true, y'all. And that's what we have. And that's what the spirit of truth that Becky was speaking about early. That's what he uses. The Bible calls it a sharp two-edged sword. That's, you know what that really means? It means a two-tongued sword, literally in the Greek. It, one side of it is the spirit of the Lord and the other side is your mouth. It's you declaring what the Spirit's declaring. And when you line yourself up with Him and begin to speak what He speaks, you can do something. You can take the devil down in your life. You can take your problems down. Wow, y'all. Yeah. You know, there's an old saying. I think Shakespeare actually, an old saying. It's real old, right? Oh, what a tangled web we have woven when we begin to deceive. We're in a tangled well, ladies and gentlemen, in this world because deception is running rapid. And have you found yourself in that tangled web recently? Have you found yourself in situations, circumstances that seemed impossible to you because it was tangled up and you, all of a sudden you're in this tangled mess I don't know about y'all, but I have found myself in some situations where I thought, Lord, I have no uh, grid to solve this problem. I don't understand this problem. It's, it's like I'm tangled up in a web because the, what the enemy's doing. But we do have an answer, and that's the word of the Lord. That's what Christ has already done. He has already defeated this tangled web maker called the devil. And we can begin to declare that in our situations, and we can begin to get clarity. I mean, I'm telling y'all, listen to me. The devil's at work, but God is bigger than the devil. And the devil has already lost, and he's going to lose in mind in your life. When we come into agreement with what the Lord says, now, you can be a skeptic this morning, and that's going to really help you a lot in life. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to shift back to this message here. Because I really want to do this message. But all that's the truth. Let me read Matthew 6, 13 for the 14th time. But it's really the truth. Lord, deliver us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many people know that's a good prayer to pray these days? Get us out of that web, Lord. Get us out. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
So that's really five really beautiful words there. Kingdom, power, glory, forever, amen. I think I've said that a few times. But actually, if you go all the way back to the very to the second verse in the Bible, God begins to declare these three things, his kingdom, his power, and glory. He don't necessarily use the same language, uh, but he does talk about the word dominion. I think that's in there in Genesis one twenty six. I think, somewhere along that line. That's the kingdom is what he's talking about. I think he uses the word subdue. He says, man, subdue. He's talking about the power of God. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering in verse 2. That really is, is the glory of God because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory. So right from the beginning of the Bible and all it threaded throughout the entire Bible are these three, we can call them concepts, or these three truths, the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Are, are y'all following this? And so I don't know about you, but I've had this journey in my life of really uh, wanting revelation and wanting to really know about the, the kingdom of God, the power of God, and the glory of God because they are the essence of what God does. They're the essence of who He is. And so this is something that we really want to have more revelation on. These, these are three things we want to have more revelation on. We want to walk in the kingdom, right? We want to walk in the power of God. We want to see the glory of God do exactly what the Bible is, is declaring, the glory of God coming upon humanity, right? We want to see all that. We want to embrace all that. We want to move in all that. If we don't, we're, we're not even true believers. We've messed up. We're believing something else. If you want something else, you're, I'm going to tell you something. You're like, it's like you can want steak, a filet mignon, or a ribeye, or you can want a dang cheap pork hot dog. And, and a lot of us want cheap pork hot dogs for Christianity. When God says, hey, I got the best ribeye there ever was even made. And you could have that, and you're eating pork hot dogs. Well, there you go. Yeah. You know that word forever literally, and I think I've told you that word forever literally means not, you know, it's not time constraint. It means both now and forever. In other words, it can start right now in your life. You can today, in this moment, you and I, that's what the Bible's declaring today. These are decrees. Okay, these are, this is the end of a prayer. We would call it a doxology, but they're literally decrees. Decrees that God has shown us to decree that we can begin to experience these things. And amen says, yes, I submit to these things. Can I get an amen? amen. Say, Lord, I submit to your power. I submit to your glory. I submit to your kingdom. It's mine, and I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to see something. I'm going to have something. You and I can have this. Amen? So I wanted to try to talk about the glory of God, which I was like dreading this thing, dreading to talk about the glory of God. Because the glory of God, you know, the power of God is like, yeah, that's kind of straightforward, right? Everybody kind of gets power, right? Yes or no? Plug into that. Go there and stick your finger in that electric socket and you'll find out about power. I mean, that's just a good illustration. Uh, and I think most of us, well, kingdom is, has been a challenge for me, but God, because, but God has given revelation on the kingdom in the last few years. And more and more and more and more we're seeing the kingdom come. 
more and more we're shifting from a just just a church mindset. A church mindset's beautiful. That's the body of Christ. We want that. That's fundamental. But there's a kingdom mindset where we begin to see things from the kingdom, from the king's perspective. Is Jesus is king? Is Jesus your king? When you begin to when you begin to allow Jesus to be your king, then you begin to see the kingdom. Or did y'all hear that? Listen, I'm telling, talking to somebody. Jesus is king. If he is not the king, or we could say Jesus is Lord, if he's not allowed to be the Lord of your life, you will not be able to really engage the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? It's submission. It's allowing him to be your king. Literally, in your situations, in your thinking, in the way you treat people. Recently, I mean, that's an important truth I just told you, what I just said to you. If you really want to have a revelation, that's what the Lord told me years ago. You want a revelation of the kingdom, Byron? Because I've been praying like, well, you need a revelation that I'm in charge of your life. That's what you really need. You need to see who's king. If you'll see me as your king and really literally practically allow me to be your king, then you'll start seeing the kingdom more. And, and that was a process, and it still is. Um, Y'all, yeah, that's good. Thank y'all for being over there and helping me. I need help. I'm serious. I'm serious what I just said. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I don't want to use that term, you know. Y'all, I have a really hard time up here. Okay, yeah, help me, Lord. Anyways, the, the, well, here's what the, about the glory of God, okay? Uh, obviously, in the Old Testament, I'm going to talk about the glory of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament real fast here, okay? The concepts of it. And then I want to talk about what it, how it applies to us. It's kind of a hard, you can't really explain the glory of God adequately because, let me tell you why you can't, because the glory of God is literally the essence of who God is. And that, so we're, trying, we're talking about t- trying to talk about who God is. That's huge. That's big. So this is, this is just a little flyby, what I'm telling you. It, this is a very in-depth thing. Uh, so when God reveals his glory, literally what he's doing, he's revealing himself. That, that's really what's happening. When we say, bring your glory, Lord, we're saying, Lord, reveal yourself. And that's literally what the Bible really teaches us from start to finish is God's glory is literally the essence of who he really is. So, duh, I'm not going to <laughs> give you a, very, a whole lot of anything on that. I mean, because none of us really have. We have a little scratch of who God really is. But in the Old Testament, God's glory was associated with his tangible presence. That's what it was associated with. The famous scriptures in in 2 Chronicles 7, 1, where the glory of God came so powerful in the temple, Solomon's temple that the people had to, at first, the glory of God came so powerful that the, they couldn't even stand they were all slain in the spirit. Do you hear me? Because glory came down, and, and that word glory is kabod, which means heaviness, weightiness, and also splendor. In other words, that glory came on those men and women who were in that temple that day, just men in those days that were priests. They couldn't stand in the presence. They were down on the ground because God's weighty presence had came but then there was an increase in it. 
it got where there was this fire that came, and it says the glory got so intense that they had to run out of the temple. These are the priests of God. These are the men and the men of God, the leaders. They could not even they could not even stay in the room with the glory of God. I believe there could be a glory of God that would come that would kill a human being. Because it, if God exposed himself, God's, it's his mercy that he don't reveal his glory the way he could. So that's, there's this term called Shekinah glory. Anybody ever heard that term? That's an old term. We hadn't used that in a long time. Actually, the word Shekinah is not really a word in the Bible. But it's a word that the rabbis made up. And it literally means to dwell. And so when, the, when you hear, not when the Bible, when you hear that word Shekinah glory, because this is kind of a word out there in Christianity. It's a good word. It's an awesome word. To dwell. It means God's presence dwelling with the people. And, that's, and they made that word up when, when the children of Israel were leaving and going, you know, leaving Egypt and going into the promised land because God dwelt with them as a cloud, as a manifestation of his glory and as a, as a fire. And so that's what Shekinah really is all about. And it's really what, what our hearts are all about because that's what we really want. We want the dwelling presence of the Lord. Listen, God is dwelling with us, we, but we want the manifestation of it. We don't want just a theology. I don't want a theology that God's everywhere. I don't want a theology that God's in me. I want the theology, but I want to experience it. I want to know it. I want to see it. I want that. And I pray today that God would give you that. All you got to do is come into a little bit of his glory, a little bit of his presence. One time in your life, and you will be ruined for the rest of your life. Nothing will ever satisfy you again. You'll spend the rest of And that makes a huge difference in people. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, it will. It's, I tell you, at the end of the days, it's what's going to, it's going, there's going to, it's going to separate. There's going to be a church. There's going to be a remnant church. And you know why there's going to be a remnant church? And there's going to be a political, social church. You know why there's going to be a remnant church? It's not going to be because of political beliefs. It's not going to be because of doctrine. It's going to be because of an experience. It's going to be because these people have fallen in love with this person called God, this person called Jesus Christ. And they they will give anything to be with that person. And they're not willing to compromise on any level because of that person. That's what the remnant church will be about, y'all. But let me read this beautiful scripture. Man, I'm not going to get through here. This is, this is it right here. This is Moses. Uh, you know, this is after he had really been with the Lord for a while, uh, leading the children of Israel. And this is the famous verse in the Bible. This is amazing right here. And he was speaking to the Lord. And he said, please show me your glory. Right there. Please show me your glory. And see, that's the heart cry that God wants to put in all of us. Please show me your glory, Lord. And that word um, <clears throat> that's translated there, uh, show means to reveal to the eye or to the mind. Reveal, Lord, let me see your glory. Let me experience your glory. That's what Moses was saying. He was saying, I want to experience this. I don't want to just know about it. He didn't ask God for a teaching on his glory. He didn't ask God about a theology of glory. He said, no, Lord, I want to see this glory and I want to experience this glory. 
I want to express it in my own personal life. Isn't that beautiful? And man, all life, that should be the cry of every believer on the face of the earth. Because the, as you'll see in a minute, the glory is, the, is in the face of, of Christ himself. It, we, sh, we should cry for that. We should yearn for that. That what we sh, Robert alluded to it when he was giving announcement. It's about the presence of the Lord. That's, that's what it's all about, about. It's about him and about experiencing him. That's what the glory of God is all about. Moses laid it out for us. Uh, then he said, uh, this is God. Now, this is what God said. This is how this, deal, this glory deal is going to work, Moses. I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will make all my goodness. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Isn't that beautiful? So what God was saying, listen... Moses, my glory is compromised of, or compromised, not compromised, comprised of all my goodness. All my goodness, all my love, all my mercy, all my grace, all my long suffering, everything about me, that's what makes up my glory. And that's why. The goodness of God is the greatest thing there is because the goodness of God and, God and the way God says it is equivalent to his glory. In other words, his glory is an expression of his goodness. So when you experience his presence, you're experiencing a little bit of his goodness. Isn't that good? You hear what I'm saying to you? How many in here want some goodness of God in their life? How many, Lord, I want that. I gotta have that goodness. That goodness is what makes me alive. His holiness, his faithfulness, his power, his splendor, his beauty, his majesty, all of those things compose are, are part of his, his goodness, which is his glory. Does that make sense to y'all? That's what God said, okay? You know, in the Bible, the, uh, in Genesis 1, I'm going to say this, I think this is an amazing thought. You know, I think in chapter 1 it said, God would create something. He says, it's good, right? Oh, it's, oh I created the earth. It's, I created the sky. It's good. I, I created bugs. It's good. Everything. God said it, I think, six or seven times in Genesis 1. It's good. Why did he say it's good? Because God is good and everything, listen to me, y'all, everything God does is good because he cannot do anything. He cannot do anything that's not good because he can't do something outside of himself. That's right from the very beginning of the Bible. God, the, the, Moses, the writer of Genesis, through the Holy Spirit, was trying to tell us this is who God really is. He's good, and everything he does is good. He created the good earth, and he created mankind, and, this, and mankind is good. Man, when we get to see that, that'll change your heart. Because God is good, so whatever he does is good. It can be confusing, I get it. Me and Becky had a conversation last night it's eating supper about the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God. The question, why do you act like that in the Old Testament? Dang, he was kind of rough. But you know, God was good no matter what. Amen. We, don't, we can't answer everything. I'm good with that. Are you good with that? Are you good to accept something? Not have answers for everything. Not have to be able to explain why God 
did some stuff he did in the Old Testament without rejecting God. Can you do that? Because if you can't, let me just say this, your brain is ruling you. Jesus Christ is not ruling you. Jesus doesn't rule from our brain. He rules from our heart. He rules from your inner man. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you're not willing to let go of questions, I would like to know some answers, Lord. I would like to know some stuff that's happened to me that it wasn't nice, that was actually bad. I want to know why it happened. Did I do something wrong? Because this is out of character, Lord, for this kind of stuff to happen to people that you love and that you dearly care about. And God, silence from heaven. Can I accept that silence? Can you accept that silence? Can you accept a a child being abused? Maybe you were that child. Maybe you were sexually abused. Maybe all these terrible things happened to you. Maybe you saw somebody murdered or whatever. And God never really explains why he let that happen. Can you accept to God? Can you submit to him and say, even if you don't answer me, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to love you because you're the king and I know you have an answer And if you choose to answer me, that would be wonderful. But if you don't, right? I'm just saying some stuff, y'all. Well, let me just go on. I've got 17 minutes. We're, we're, We're shifting over to the New Testament. And the word in the New Testament for glory is doxa. It's where we get that word doxology, right? That's what it means. Doxa in the New Testament is, uh, it means splendor. That's what it means, splendor. It also has the added meaning of light or brilliance. So in the Old Testament, we're talking about the glory of God. It was talking about the weightiness, a heaviness that comes on people. In the New Testament, it's talking about light. It's talking about brilliance. It's talking more, and splendor was in both. But this, First John 1, 5, uh, this is the great beloved disciple. This is the message. Listen, this is what he said. This is the message that we heard from him being Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus told us. This is John telling us a great secret. This is the message we heard from him, and we declare this to you, that God is light. Listen to everything I just said to you about the answers to the questions. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in God. None, zero. John the Beloved. This is what Jesus told us about God the Father. There's no darkness in him. He's just light. So if a darkness happens to you, it ain't God. He didn't do it. And he's never done it. That's all I'm going to say. Now listen to this. All All God is in his goodness is manifested as light. Hmm. Spitting on the floor. It's because of that tooth. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have reminded myself. Can I just read this one? Yeah. Hebrews 1 3, speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. If you want to know what God is like, he has given us this person of Christ. And we can read the stories in the gospel. And we can read the words of the gospel. And we can read the words of Paul and Peter and John that tell us about him. That's what God is like. That's what we should always default to when somebody says, why did God let this happen? Well, this is what God is like. He's like Jesus Christ. 
That's what it says right there. He's the express image of God. Of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. The word has power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Thank you, Lord, for that this morning. And sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where Jesus is. You know, so when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Just a normal old guy, looking old guy. He let his disciples that were with him, he let them peek into his true, truly what he looked like. And it says his face shone like the sun. His face shone like that. Can you imagine how that's bright, y'all? That's so bright you can't look directly at it. And it says his clothes became whiter than any launderer on earth could make white. It was white beyond measure. You know, they've come out with a white color paint recently. I'm just going to tell you this on the side. They've come up with a white paint that they think possibly at some point down the road could do away with air conditioning. Yeah, this is what these scientists are doing. That's what I thought. Like, seriously, how's that going to do it? Because it's so white, okay? It has this ability to cool. That's crazy, isn't it? Well, anyways, that's science. I'm fascinated by stuff like that. Well, Jesus' clothes were like that. Jesus shined like the sun, you know, that's what it says. And, and in uh, Luke's version, it, the disciples says, we saw the glory of God. That's what they said. We saw the glory of God when Jesus was transfigured. They saw this, and it came out as light. It came out. I just wanted you to get that. So what we can uh, understand is God's glory can be felt, right? It can be felt. It can be seen. It can be heard. It can be experienced. It can be. That's what the Bible really teaches us. It can be. We can feel it. We can see it. We can hear it. We can experience it. And God wants us to. Now, those are some basic things here. I did want to say this um, for for people in this room. Um, This is a side note. I'm just taking all my time with side notes. But this is important, y'all. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is more important than your relationship with your spouse or your children, with your grandma or your employer or your best friend. I'm just going to tell you that right now because apart from that relationship, all those other relationships are going to collapse on you. They're going to be rough. You're going to be mean to your wife. You're going to be a mean daddy or mean mama. But this is what happened to me. I I don't know, man. I'm just telling you a little testimony. I'm giving glory to God. You know, the last two years, if you were a pastor, you were an idiot. That's how I felt. Like I got in the wrong business, Lord. I haven't signed up for disputes about masks. I haven't signed up about disputes about social distance. And I haven't signed up for disputes about political figures. That is not what I felt called to do. And I didn't sign up for everything I did or said I was going to get yelled at by somebody. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just out of this deal, Lord, if possible. Please let me out. Okay. Well, I didn't because, you know, you can't just quit your job. You know, if, if I could have another source of income, Lord, I'm thinking I might quit. But I wouldn't have. Even if somebody gave me a million dollars, because I would have said, I'll take the million, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> because Jesus told me to do this. But you know what I'm saying? It's been hard on everybody. And I didn't think I did well through it. And I want to encourage you about this. I think in my heart, I spent some time reflecting recently about my life. And I did find this out down in deep inside of me that my relationship with him on a personal level has really grown. And 
and doing all that. And, and that's what God really is more, he's more interested in that than anything else. You know, and I really encourage you, lots of times you think you're not doing good, you feel messed up, you feel frustrated, you want to quit, you want to do this, you want to hit somebody, you know, you want to throw stuff away, you want to throw your life away, right? You want to go away, move to an island. And, but deep down inside, God has a way of working in your hearts to help us love Him. And that's what I have felt about my relationship. It's not that I feel, it's just I feel more love for Him and more devoted to Him than I ever have in my entire life. And I don't know, I, I didn't do anything good in it. I did it all bad. Anyways, I wanted to share that because the Lord is good. All right, I got 10 minutes, man. I'm going to nail it here. All right, so I want to talk to you about, uh, I've given you a little briefly introduction to glory if you've never had that. And if you have, you probably think, well, that is all what you're saying, but yeah, man, it's a big subject. I want to tell you some implic. What are the imp- I wrote this down? What are the implications of glory concerning us? Uh, besides us just having this mighty experience with the Lord, right? That's number one. We want to experience. We want to have. But what? What? What is it about this? Why? Why is this so important? Why is God's glory when you begin to get it in your life and experience it that it becomes like an addiction? To you. It's like you're never going to be satisfied with nothing else in your life. Why is that? Why is that? Because I know many people that are like it. I know many people that the presence of God is everything to them. They will sell out everything else, but they won't sell that out. They will give up a lot of things, but that's one thing they won't give up. That's powerful, y'all. That's powerful. That's a person who's not just got a theology, but that's a person who has an experience. And they've touched something of God that they know is of supreme value, and that's God himself. So, number one, I, think, I believe this. This is what the Bible teaches us, that each one of us are hardwired for glory. He, God has hardwired into every human being. And the reason I say hardwired before, versus softwire, soft you know, it's just not a software it's not something that can change. It's something that's wired into us. I want to read this Psalm 8, 3 through 6. Do you all understand that? Hardwired. When I considered your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is my man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than angels. We always attribute this to, to just Jesus because it's in Hebrews where it talks about Jesus. But it's not talking about just Jesus. It's talking about us. He, he's talking about me and you. We are the son of men. Little S. We're the little S sons of in the little M man. So don't just give it to Jesus. He's the first one. He's the big brother. He's the number one guy. But we're all number two in his book. And the son of man that you visit him, for you have made him a little lower than angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have crowned him. God has crowned humanity with glory. He hardwired it into us. He put it into our minds. He put it into our hearts. Glory and honor are part of who we are. We cannot escape that. It's built into every person on this planet, okay? Every person. 
You have made him to have dominion, kingdom, over the works of your hands, his hands. You have put all things under his feet. In other words, that gives some answers about why bad things happen on this earth. Because God doesn't control everything that's going on, regardless of what people say. Right here it says it didn't. He's put stuff in our hands to deal with things. If he didn't, he could just snap his finger and everybody would be healed and everybody would be saved. He don't send angels to preach the gospel. He sends us. Well, we'll go on with that. Okay? We were created to shine God's glory. And he gave us these qualities, okay, that kind of are similar to him, similar to who he is, similar to what he does. We have this gloriousness about us as people. Gosh, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to finish here, y'all, because I can't finish this. But I want to tell you something. There is something about us that we haven't seen yet. There is a revelation. Listen, I saw something recently. I've got to be careful about this because I thought this would get me in so much trouble if I told people about this. I would be considered a heretic in some circles. I, honestly, yes. But you know, there's this little hole little peak hole I saw for a moment into heaven. And I saw, for, I, don't, I can't explain it to you, but I saw the magnificence of who God made us to be and the potential of what we can become as humans. You know, there was a lot of things that have been said over the years about humanity and, you know, about you know, your, your humanity is not good. That's all a big lie. Jesus came as a human, and as God. He laid aside his Godhead abilities, but he never became God, right? That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus came both fully man and fully God, but he chose not to be God, okay, on the earth. He chose to walk on the earth as a human being. God loves your humanity. He loves your humanity. He told me one time when I was just really, I felt like I got so way out there with the spiritual stuff. He said, Byron, let me tell you, son, if you don't take care of your body and if you don't take care of your soul, you will always come up short. You will always come up short because I created you with a body. I created you with a soul and I created you with a spirit. And you need to make sure all three are taken care of. I think the Bible teaches in Thessalonians that, that your spirit's most important because it, it puts that first. In that scripture where it says, may your spirit, soul, and body, Right? Be kept whole, I think, until the day of Jesus Christ. He puts the spirit first. So that's because all wholeness comes out of your spirit. And your spirit affects your soul, and your soul affects your body. Now, y'all, is this making sense? I think I've gotten way off this message, though, y'all, honestly. Let me just say this. We have a glory in orientation built into us. Kathy mentioned a glory orientation. She mentioned it. This is what she said. I love film. That is a glory orientation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All glory orientation is not necessarily something spiritual. It's not nothing God. Artwork, why do we love artwork? Why do we love good music? Because built into us is this hunger and desire for glory. And God created the natural things like film or art or music or an athletic person who j- jumps around doing 
stuff and they do it magnificently and we're in awe. That's the glory of God. That's God revealing his glory to humanity because we, we, we hunger for that. We desire that. We desire glory. We desire it in, on the natural level because we are hardwired for God's glory. Are y'all following this? I mean, this is how glory affects us. We have to see this. It's that we desire things of beauty. We desire flowers. Some people do. I can't stand them. They stink, and they make me think of funeral homes. Like, you know, you do memorial services, you're just like, we got to get the flowers out of here. I can't do the flowers. Because it may, you know, you, walk into, you ever walk in a funeral home, that smell, like, oh. It, it kind of connects you with death. Well, all right. I got to stop, y'all. I mean, I got to stop, man. But let me just say this, okay? Come on. I'm not going to read all this. You wonder why people love revival, y'all? Some of us love revival. Some of us love awakening. Some of, you see, that's the glory we're yearning for. Right? Are you seeing this? There's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to see the glory of a, of a film or a, a really skilled musician I love it when old Franklin, y'all Franklin Linker, when he gets under the anointing, I love it. There's power that comes out of him. That's, it's not just that power, but it, there's this glory of God that I feel. You hear what I'm saying? In his music. And that's why human beings, because God hardwired us that way. But you see, here's also the truth, and I ain't going to read all these scriptures to you because it's, it's not time, is Natural glory of the creation, as glorious as it is, will never satisfy that, that desire in us for the glory of God. You see, it's only meant, and, and Paul says that in Romans. He tells us that in Romans 1. Read Romans 1. He tells us that the natural glory is meant to point us to the glory of God. It's meant to point us that way. So film is meant to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see something beautiful, we can say, I can believe that God might be talking to me because I've seen something beautiful, and it'll, but it will never measure up to him. Are y'all following this? See, I want you to see this because I want us to get, quit being ridiculous and let the people of God enjoy film enjoy sports, enjoy whatever it is that you feel some glory on, whether you call it glory or not. It's God's glory and he's trying to point us to something which is himself. You hear what I'm saying? But I don't want us to stop there. I want us to be people that desire his glory, to desire his presence, and let those things provoke us. If a man can sit down and write a music thing, and you play it, and you're just like in awe of it, what can God do? What can God do? And that's what he wants us to have. He wants us to go after his glory. He wants us to be like Moses. Lord, Show me your glory. I'll never be satisfied. Oh. One time, there was a move of God that I was in. Well, more than once, but I've been blessed to be three or four moves of God. But I remember one time when one of those moves of God came to an end. And guess how I was? Heartbroken. I was broken over it. I was just broken over it. Because it had ended and it was the best thing ever. It was the best thing ever. 
I'm like, Lord, I'm so... And I remember one night being outside, and I looked up into the sky, and literally it was the first time I looked at the sky probably in a couple years. And it was one of those nights where the stars were just beautiful. And, and the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord was coming to me through that. The beauty of the Lord was coming through that. And I don't know why he was doing that, but I do think I know now. It's because he was trying to comfort me. He was trying to let me know, Byron, listen, that revival may be over with, baby, but my glory's not over with. Just look up and let that, if that's all you got for now, let that minister to your heart and, let, and, and, and know that my glory is not coming to an end. Your revivals may come to an end. Your films may come to an end. Your awakenings may come to an end. Your whatever may come to an end. But God's glory is not going to end. And God has promised, promised us. It is a promise in the Bible that we should say, say to him, Hey, yes. He said the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the earth, uh, God will cover the earth. He promised that. God promised that we, the knowledge, he's talking about the revelation that we would be our sin. Some people may be standing right here and you may be standing here, but because you have this revelation of glory, you're seeing the glory. They may be seeing, you know, the toilet, <laughs> right? They may be just seeing the bad stuff. All the hurt, all the pain. But when we begin to see the glory, we can begin to bring the glory. God wants us to bring the glory, y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could have do it better on this. Uh, uh, one more. Let me give you one more. I'm, I'm three minutes. So I got to say this one because this is one I have thought about for years. It's Hosea 3 5. This is talking about the end times. Afterward, the children of Israel, this is a prophetic promise over Israel. Okay, literally over Israel. But also, hey, we're in. Right? We're spiritual Israel. We've been, we done been, so we, are, we can dial in on this. Afterwards, the children will turn and seek the Lord their God. There's going to be a revival in Israel. There's going to be an awakening in Israel. And David, who is David? It's Jesus Christ, the king. Yes, exactly. Their king. Listen, they shall fear the Lord. And his goodness in the latter days. There's going to, and so I believe this is what the Holy Spirit was telling me. This is what's going to happen. The glory is going to come. The goodness of God is going to be released. But there's also a fear of the Lord that's going to be released. The awesome fear of God. Like those priests when they like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out. The glory is too strong. We, because it's not like you're afraid in a bad way, in a negative way. It's a respect. It's an honor. It's like, oh my gosh, God is here. I, I, want, I want nothing to be between me and him. I want all of this. I, I think I haven't done a good job on this, y'all. But I just tell you, I want you to receive an impartation. And I want more of this. I want more. I want business people who succeed in business and, and have this thing in them where they say, Wow, look what we've been able to do. That's the glory. They are, they're hardwired for it. But I don't want them to stop there. I want them to look beyond that. I want preachers who can preach well. And people say, this guy has a great anointing. But they can't just stop there. We've got to go beyond that to seek his glory. Amen. I'm going to pray and say amen, right? <laughs> Lord, come. Lord, help. Help us, Lord. Whew. Jesus, we need you.
We need you, Jesus. We really do. Wow, Lord, our country's a mess. We're a mess. We've made some terrible decisions, Lord. So we just ask you for the glory of God to come over us and rest on us. Mm, yeah. Just tell the Lord. Say, Lord, show me your glory. So show me. If you really want to say, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see it, Lord. I'm not going to be happy, Lord. I'm not going to be happy if I leave this earth without seeing your glory. David said this. He said, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He was talking about the glory. He said that. King David, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God wants that for everybody. Where we say that, we place this Demand, I hate that word in one way on God, like I'm going to demand it. But it's a spiritual demand. It's a faith demand. God bless you. God bless business people. God bless musicians. God bless artists. God bless people who do beautiful stuff. God bless athletes. Bless them because they're going to release the glory. And it's going to tell us we need something. It's going to tell us about His glory. Lord, we ask you to do that, and we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Woo! Okay, well, you can do that. I'm done. Jody, this is Jody Summers. She is the Summers' daughter-in-law, Brian. She's going to take one minute. She has something to release. So. Well, I mean, Byron already just did it, but the whole time you were speaking, I just got a download of a beautiful story. God had actually revealed to me about five months ago that I'm a writer, and I never knew it, and I've been kind of going through that just shock of it, but when you were speaking today, and then just what you just said, he wants to release his glory on the church, the whole body, not just here, but everywhere, because there is so much in us that has not been released yet, and he is calling it out right now. And what you said is it. We just release God's glory into each of us because you are an artist. You are an athlete. There is a humanity that he gave us that's in us to come out in his name. (laughs) So hallelujah. (laughs) That was it. Amen. So So thank you. Lord. to pray for people that feel pushed down. Yeah. She wants to pray. She's going to be down here to pray. For people feel like they've been pushed down in their humanity. That the Lord really wants to release that out. God loves humanity. And, um, and it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. So, amen. And we want other ministry team people still want. If you need more prayer for breakthrough, please let our ministry team come up. And um, I, I really do feel like there's some people in the room that feel like they have something to release that is not there yet. And Jody wants to pray for you. Yes. So otherwise, go get your children <laughs> before they start fussing at us. And um, But Lord, we just thank you for this message today. Lord, we ask you that your glory would be manifested in each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I've I just feel like some glory is going to get released up here through the ministry team. So uh, come get it. So you guys be blessed. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Amen.